And so as most of you know, uh, right, today is the Super Bowl, right? It's the Super Bowl. It's kind of, you know, a day on my calendar that always sticks out. That first Sunday in February, it's Super Bowl Sunday. It's kind of a, a no-brainer for me when it comes to my schedule and thinking about things like that. And as I said earlier, we're looking forward to our time together tonight as we have our chili cook-off and we do our bake sale after service as well as tonight. And looking forward to that time of fellowship. Uh, it's going to be just a wonderful time. I just want to remind you again, all of the proceeds from our bake sale and from tonight for the, the chili feed, all of that's going to help those who are going on the mission trip. None of that uh, is coming back to the church. That's all to help those who are going to be attending uh, the trip this September to the LA Dream Center. And so we often refer to the Super Bowl as the big game, right? Or it, it's, it's the big day. It's the Super Bowl. We refer to it um, because of all the festivities that go around it. Like when we were in the Twin Cities on Thursday, there's just stuff going on everywhere right now because the Super Bowl is in town. It's nuts. It's, you know how much it costs to park in downtown Minneapolis right now? $65 to get into a parking ramp right now. $65. They're charging people to get into a parking ramp right now in downtown. You know, it's just, it's nuts but that there's just so much going on around the Super Bowl and all of that. And so it got me thinking about a couple of stories in the Bible that it's kind of that idea of one big day, right? One big day. That's what the Super Bowl is, the big festivity. And we look in Scripture, there's a number of stories where there's kind of like one big day. And this morning we're going to look at one of those stories found in 1 Samuel 17. The story of David and Goliath. And for many of you, this is a very uh, popular story that we often hear about in the church. As children, when we're brought up, we hear a lot about David and Goliath. It's a fun story for us to be able to animate and to act out and to share with our children. And it's entertaining to them. But this morning we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath. But kind of looking at how... So much happened in one day. When you think about the history of Israel and God's people, this one day is very pivotal. If this one day wouldn't have happened, I don't know what the Israelite history would look like. You know, I, this day kind of reshaped Israel. And so we're going to go ahead and begin this morning with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for who you are. We thank you for this time that we can gather together. And Father, I pray as we look to your word now, Father, that you will just illuminate your word through your Holy Spirit. Father, that we will see it and understand it in a new and a different way this morning. Father, help it to speak to our hearts and our minds. And God, that as we walk out, we'll walk out different than we walked in this morning. God, as a result of being transformed from being in your presence. So God, we just ask that you would move in our midst. Now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we actually get into the story of David and Goliath, I want us to first kind of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about. And this is going to be a verse that we'll come back to throughout the story of David and Goliath. And it's Psalm 118, verse 24. It says, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Right? So that's, that's our starting point this morning is this verse. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Right? So as we read throughout our message this morning, as I said, we'll continue to come back to how this psalm relates not only to this story, but how it relates to us in our life today, in our choices, in our decisions that we make in our lives. 
So 1 Samuel 17, where we find the story of David and Goliath, as I said, is a very popular story, but I think we can learn from it something extra today. Maybe you've heard this story a hundred times, and you're thinking, how could I ever learn anything different from the story of David and Goliath? I'm trusting and believing that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us this morning and help us to see something different than maybe we've ever seen when we've heard the story before. To give you a little context of the story, in the chapter before, in 1 Samuel 16, David has just been anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king of Israel. So we have David here, who's been anointed to be the next king of Israel by the prophet. David is the youngest of all of Jesse's sons, and he's at home tending to his sheep while his three older, three of his older brothers are off in the, in the army fighting against the Philistines. So we're kind of putting this picture together. The Israelites are off fighting against the Philistines. David's three older brothers are all there fighting in the Israeli army. And that's where the showdown begins, right? The Philistines, they have their prize fighter, Goliath. He's a giant. Scripture says that he's about 9 foot 9 inches tall. To give you something to measure that to, this is about 10 feet. So a couple inches short of this is about how tall Goliath was. Right? So I'm, I'm pretty much the average size American man. A little bit of difference here between myself and the size of Goliath there. So that gives you a little perspective on the size of life. A little bit intimidating, if I'm honest, right? If I saw someone like that, I'm not quite sure how I would respond to that situation. It said that his coat of armor, which was made of bronze, so just his coat that was on his top half, weighed about 125 pounds. Can you imagine carrying 125 pounds around just on your top? said that the iron points of his spear that he had weighed about 15 pounds. The tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds. Could you imagine the kind of destruction that could happen to a person when a 15 pound uh, point of a spear goes into them? And so this kind of all, it gives you the picture of what's going on here, what the Israelites are facing. And in response to seeing this massive beast of a man, the Israelites can't find anyone who's willing to fight them. Right? So that's, we're setting the stage here. For 40 days, Goliath would come down into the valley to face whoever the Israelites were willing to send out to fight him. But no one in those 40 days ever came out to try to challenge Goliath. They were all too scared. Jesse was concerned about his three oldest sons who were in the army, so he decided, I'm going to send David to go check on them. I'm going to send them, I'm going to send them with some bread and some, some cheese to go. But really, that's just, that's what's going to get him there. Then he wants them to check on him and then come back and just reassure him as a father. Like, hey, will you go check on your three older brothers and then come back and let me know if they're okay. You know, just give me a report on how they're doing. His job was simply to deliver the food, to check on them, and then come back and say, Dad, everything's okay. It's all right. But when David gets there... He sees how the Israelites have been overtaken by fear by Goliath. How they're standing there in fear and how the Philistine army is taunting them. How the Philistine army is saying, don't you have anyone who would be willing to come out and take on our fight? Right? Because the whole deal was, whichever side won, got everything else from the other side. 
So if the Israelites won, they had everything the Philistines had. If the Philistines won, they were going to get to take everything that the Israelites had. He hears Goliath taunting the Israelite army as they had been for the last 40 days. And David, he hears men in the army talking about all the things that would be given to the man who took down Goliath. Right? If you read, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but part of it says that basically to whoever takes down Goliath, they're not going to have to pay any taxes the rest of their life to the kingdom of Israel. King Saul is going to give his daughter to them. There was all these, these kind of added perks to whoever the person was that would eventually take down Goliath. And in the midst of all this conversation, in the midst of what David is seeing, he goes, I'll take on this guy. I'll fight Goliath. Right? He, he, he's probably like maybe 20 years old, 18 years old at this point in his life. The next anointed king of Israel. And he says, I'll take him on. And so here's where we're going to pick it up. Verse 32 of 1 Samuel 17. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued it, uh, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Right? So here we, we read this. You're going, how does a young man like David go, I'd be willing to fight that guy. I'd be willing to fight this giant that no one else is willing to fight. Right? These soldiers have been trained. They've been taught how to fight. But yet none of them are willing to do it. But David says, I will. I'll go. The servant will go. David tells the king of Israel, he says, don't lose heart. I will go and fight the giant as a servant of Israel. Remember again, as I said, this is the next anointed king of Israel who's going to fight this giant. Saul then immediately replies, replies, no way. No way, David. There's no way you're going to be able to take him down. You're a young man, and Goliath has been training as a warrior since he was in his youth. Right? So he's experienced. He's taken down many people. But then David, this is where he gets the confidence from. This is where he gets his willingness to do this from. David goes on to tell of how God helped him defeat many enemies as a shepherd in the forms of different animals. He said, I've had lion and bear try to take my sheep, but none of them have been able to do so. David believed that if God had helped him to kill those animals and to rescue his sheep, that God would also put Goliath into his hands and defeat him as he was defying the Israelites. David felt as though God had prepared him to fight this battle. He looked back and he said, the things that have happened in my life have prepared me for this moment now. Right? When he defeated that lion, when he defeated that bear, 
That wasn't just simply to save the sheep at that moment in time. It was to prepare him for this moment right here when he was to face Goliath. How many times in our life do we, we look back at moments and we go, you know what, as difficult as that moment was, as hard as that moment was, it prepared me for what I'm going through right now. Right? It helped me to be able to go through a situation that I don't know if I would have made it through had I not encountered the previous situation that I went through in my life. The things that had happened in David's life had prepared him for this very day to take down Goliath. Continuing on, you read in verse 38, Then Saul dresses, dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. Right, so David, here, there's, there's some significance, and we'll touch on this now, and we'll get back to it at the end of our message this morning. But David realized that the king's armor was not meant for him. Right, it didn't fit him. He wasn't used to wearing armor. He didn't really necessarily know how to wield a sword very well. And so he knew if he was going to go out in the armor that Saul was trying to put on him, that it would actually put him at a disadvantage. He'd be using something that wasn't meant for him. It wasn't intended for him. And we'll get back to that point a little bit when we wrap up. Not only, as I said, was it too big, he, just, he, he wasn't even trained in how to work with a sword. He had mainly, for the most part, used his shepherd's staff, right? That's how a shepherd would fend off animals that would come after their sheep. They'd use their staff. That's why there's a hook on the staff. They would put it around the neck and they could pull something away or they could hit something away from them. He knew that he needed to use what he had been trained to do, what he was comfortable with, in order to fight against Goliath. He didn't use the traditional armor and sword that all the other fighters would have used. Now we're going to get to the fun part of the story, right? Here's the good part. Verse 41 we read, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you would come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David then responds, he said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel, you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All these, all these gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into you, and he will give all of you into our hands. Continuing on in verse 48, it says, As the Philistine moved closer to him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell 
face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran over and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with his sword. So looking back at that passage, right, we read, Goliath was, he was disgusted, almost, that the Israelites would even send out such a young-looking guy with, with, a, with a shepherd's staff and slinging some stones. Right? He was just disgusted by the fact that that's who the Israelites would even send out. So he begins to taunt them and tell them of how, you know what, I'm going to leave your body for the birds and the wild animals to take care of after I kill you. And David responds by coming back, and I love what he said. He said, you might have a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord Almighty, right? right? We don't fight against the things of this world, right? We fight against spiritual battles. And that's how David approached this in a sense. He said, you might have all the physical tools you think you need to take me down and to triumph over me and to overcome Israel, but it's not just my sling and my stones that I've come to you with. It's not just my shepherd's staff that I'm approaching you. I come before you in the name of our Lord God Almighty who will deliver you into my hand. You have defiled him and he will strike you down. And after I do so, I will remove your head from your body. And then we will take the rest of your Philistine army and the whole world will know who the God of Israel is. Everyone who gathers together there that day will know that the Lord does not save by the sword or the spear. That's how Goliath intended to attack him. But it was a simple stone and a sling that sunk into his forehead that led to his death. David runs over, as it said, and uses Goliath's own sword, which was massive. I think of even that picture of how big his sword would have been probably took everything David had within him to even be able to get the sword out and to use it to remove his head. As you continue on in the rest of the chapter, it tells of how they take down the rest of the Philistine army, and if you want, you can read that. And eventually, Saul goes, who was that young guy? Who was this soldier that actually took out Goliath? And I love the way in verse 58 that David responds. Because he, he asked me, he said, who are you? And he said, I am the son of the servant Jesse of Bethlehem. Right? He, he just said, simply, humbly, he said, I am the son of the servant Jesse of Bethlehem. Right? He didn't say that I'm the next anointed king of Israel. He didn't say that I'm the great shepherd who slain Goliath. He said, I am simply the son of the servant Jesse of Bethlehem, right? I am just another servant. I'm just another person who's doing what God is asking them to do in their lives. Why do I share that story this morning? And, and how does it relate to us today, right? I, you know, we're not walking around facing giants and in war like that sense and facing battles. But I believe that there's many different circumstances that we often find ourselves in where we act a lot like the Israelites did in the story, where we become paralyzed in fear. Right? There's a lot of giants that we face in our life that look a lot of different ways that stop us in our tracks, just like the Philistine army had done to the Israelite army. 
For 40 days, the Israelite army sat there and did nothing. They froze. Fear had gotten hold of them. And in our lives today, I think there's many times that we find ourselves getting trapped in fear. And what do we do? Nothing. We freeze. We stop. We don't know what to do. We started off this morning, as I said, with Psalm 118.24. This is the day in which the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The Israelites were not living in the joy that God had created them to be living in. God created that day that they were facing the Philistines. God created each of those 40 days that they were facing the Philistines. But they were not walking in the joy that God had created them to in those days. They were not rejoicing in what God had made them to do. There's joy and rejoicing to be found in each and every day. We just have to choose to walk in it. It doesn't look the same every day. Some days are more difficult than others. Some days the obstacles and the challenges and the giants that we face seem bigger than other days. But there's still joy to be found. There's rejoicing to be found. There's gladness to be found in the day that the Lord has made. The Israelites were living in fear and worry of the Philistine army and Goliath. How many times do we allow Goliath? Or another way to say, how many times do we allow other people or the things of this world, circumstances, to cause us to live in fear and worry instead of living in the confidence of who God is? Right? I, I, I've been there. There are days that, that I freeze because I'm like, you just get stuck in those moments. And then you remember, wait, I'm a child of God. The victory has already been provided. Why am I allowing this obstacle, this giant, to stand in the way of what God is trying to do in my life? Why am I allowing these giants to steal the joy that this day is to bring? Why am I allowing these giants to take away from the gladness and the rejoicing that we should be having in the day that the Lord has made? The Israelites are living in fear and worry. Another way to look at it is, how often are we overlooking the joy and rejoicing that can be found in a day because we're stuck on the circumstances that sit from us? Right? We get blinded. We get tunnel vision. We think, all I see is this giant in front of me, and I can't see anything else. We forget that God is with us. We forget that God has provided the victory. We have to walk forward in victory as God's people. Just as God provided victory to the Israelites by putting Goliath into their hands. We know that Jesus provided their victory over death and sin once and for all when he died upon the cross and then rose again three days later. The victory has been provided. We must walk in it. When David took down Goliath and freed the Israelites from the Philistines' power that they had over them in that moment. And just think about this for a moment. As I said, it was 40 Days this had been going on. Forty days, one man, a giant man, Adam, held a whole army of soldiers at bay out of fear and worry and anxiety for their lives. But within a matter of one day, David arrives to see his brothers to bring the goods to them that Jesse had dead sentenced him to bring. He hears of what's going on and he says, Enough is enough. I'm taking that guy out. We're going to take this giant down once and for all. We're going to end this here and now. 
40 days, nothing happens. One day, a young man shows up, and everything changes. One big day, everything changes for the nation of Israel. He goes on to kill him, and in that very moment, freedom is provided for the nation of Israel. Right? As soon as David killed Goliath, I can just imagine the rest of the army jumping and rejoicing. And part of the crowd is getting confused. They're going, what just happened? How, how did this just happen? How did David, the younger brother of a few of our soldiers, just come in and do that? But they've been free of the fear, of the worry, of the anxiety that they were facing. It ended like that. Right? The second that stone hit Goliath's head, the fear was gone. The worry was gone. The anxiety was gone in a moment. Why? Because David gave it to the Lord. When we give it to the Lord, He can take it in a moment. The worry, the anxiety, the fear that's crippling us can be taken in just a moment. So here's the question that I have for you this morning. What has taken power over you in your life? What giant, what circumstances, what distraction or battle are you facing that has taken control of your life? That is keeping you from living and rejoicing in the day that the Lord has Right? That's what we're called to do. We're called to rejoice and be glad in the day that the Lord has made. For the Lord is upon it and it is good. What Goliath are you facing right now? God hasn't created any of us to be held under anyone's control or dominion. Right? We were not created to be controlled by another person. We were not created to be controlled by some type of a spiritual dominion. We were, we were created to have a relationship with our Father in heaven. I believe that today is the day that you can make the decision to say, you know what, I'm going to start rejoicing and being glad in the day that the Lord has made. Even when it's tough. Even when it's difficult, I'm going to say, you know what? I can see the Lord's hand upon this day. I can see what the Lord is doing. You know what? It could be 50 times worse than it is right now. Right? It could always be worse. I'm going to rejoice and walk in the victory that God has provided. Right? We don't have to go into these battles alone. That's the lie of Satan that tries to say, hey, do it on your own. You, you're strong enough. You can handle this on your own. We don't walk into war as in. I'm going to give my battle to the Lord, as David said. That's what he said. He said, I'm walking in because this is the Lord's battle. He's going to work through me. He only went up against Goliath because he knew that the battle was the Lord's, not his. Right? Because if David would have thought the war was his, the battle was his, he would have been like all the other Israelites would have just stayed standing where they were. But he understood big picture there was more to this than one man versus another man. There was a God on one side, and that God was going to win. He was going to deliver them. He was going to free them. I once heard a speaker at a youth event say this. He said, I never pray for God to keep the giants out of my students' lives. Rather, I pray that the Lord will help the students to look to him to slay the giants. Right? Because reality is, is there's going to be giants that we're going to come across in life. We can't avoid everything that life throws our way. So we have to learn to say, you know what? I'm going to put on the armor of the Lord, and I'm going to walk into the battle with him. Because I know that he's by my side. 
And so it's not about avoiding or it's not about looking for them, but it's saying, you know what, there's going to be giants that come our way in life. And we just need to take them head on with God at our side, and God will provide the victory. It's already been provided. We just have to walk through the victory that has been provided. We don't need to run from them, for we have God's strength to ask them head on. <coughs> so my question again is, what fight lies before you today? What is it today that has you held in bondage? What is it today that you just can't seem to get past? What giant, what fight are you in? I know that each of our battles look differently. We all face different types of giants. But the one thing that remains the same in all of our fights is the one who's on our side. God, right? It doesn't matter if we're battling pornography, gambling, alcohol, drugs, financial issues, marital issues. It doesn't matter what giant we're facing. God is in the battle with each of us, no matter what we face. He is our source of strength. He is the one who delivers the giants into our hands so that we can walk forward in the victory that he has provided for us. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're going, <clears throat> like the Israelites, I've been afraid to face this battle. It's been sitting in front of me for 40 days, for four months, for four years, and I just haven't been able to go at it yet. Hope today that you're ready to say that enough is enough. And I'm going to learn how to rejoice and be glad in the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to find victory in His name. Worship team, you can come back up at this point. So are you going to try and fight against the giant with the skills that God has given you? Or with someone else's armor, as David almost did with Saul's armor, right? We're getting back to that idea of God has gifted and talented you and you've gone through experiences in your life that have shaped you and molded you into who you are today for a reason. So that when you face the battles that come your way, you're ready for them. So we have to say, am I going to try to lean upon my, not my own, but upon what God has, has gifted me and talented with in my life? Or am I going to say, you know what, all the other people who've dealt with this have used this particular set of armor. I'm going to use that. Right? If David would have went against Goliath with a traditional armor and, and sword, he probably would not have come home with a victory in that situation. So you need to sit there and go, not every battle looks the same. Just because it worked for one person doesn't mean that the same exact thing is going to work for me in my situation. Finding victory in what God has done. I believe this morning that as we end our time together in worship and prayer, that God is going to help some of you slay giants this morning. That the people, there's some of you here this morning who may have walked in in the midst of a battle or bondage or something has control over you in your life. This morning I'm believing for freedom in this house. I'm believing that God is going to deliver us from bondage. Some of us here this morning who are struggling with that. And if you're ready to do that today, if you're ready to say, I'm done living in fear. I'm done living in worry of the giants that come my way in life. I want to rejoice in the day that the Lord has made. I want to find victory. I want to encourage you as the worship team plays a song in just a moment to come forward and find a spot at the altar this morning and give that to the Lord. Say, God, I've been trying to face this on my own or I've been trying to do it. It's not, God, I need your help. 
Lord, I come before you. Father, help me to slay this giant. Help me to get beyond this battle that I'm facing in my life because I know you provided the victory and there's more that you have in store for me. Help me to get beyond this giant. Maybe you want prayer from one of us and that's okay, but I want to encourage you this morning, maybe you just need to get alone with God for a moment. And that's okay to just come to the altar and spend time in prayer all by yourself. We'll close in prayer after the worship leads us to a song. So if I could get a couple of our leaders to come up this morning for prayer, I just want to encourage you, if today is a day where enough is enough, where you're ready to say, I give my battle to the Lord. I'm done trying to do this on my own. I want to rejoice and be glad in the day that he's made. I want to encourage you this morning to come forward for prayer as the worship team leads us. Father, we thank you for the victory that has been provided for you for us. We stand upon the truth of your word. Father, I pray for those who responded this morning. Father, for those who may have responded right in their chairs. God, I pray that today will be one of those big days in their life. That this will be a turning point, a changing point, where they'll be able to look back and say on February 4th, 2018, I laid something down at your feet, Lord, and you responded. You helped me to defeat a giant. You helped me to slay something that had been taking control over my life. Something that had been, had been hindering me from becoming all that you wanted me to be. That was stopping me from being able to rejoice and be glad in the days that you have made. Father, we thank you for that freedom. We thank you for that deliverance. God, we praise you. Jesus, we worship. Father, I pray now as we go out, Father, that you will help us to continue to just lean upon you. Father, to, to press into you and, and just say, Lord, the battle is yours. I'm your servant, your humble servant. Use me, work through me. Father, I pray you continue to help us to be a witness, to be a light in the world around us, that people will come to know you as a result, that as we speak forth your word, God, we will see the harvest. Amen. Lord, we thank you. Father, as we have our, our bake sale here in just a moment, Father, I pray you just, just bless that effort, God. Bless the givers, Father, is just, just a blessing to those who are going on the trip, Father, to be able to help them. God, we know this is something you're asking us to do as a church, and so we know this is your will, and so God, we just ask that you would work through this trip in a mighty and a powerful way. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. Be with us now as we go out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.